Boom. All right. TKW Podcast back again. Episode two. Feels good to be here. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm Kyle Maggio. And this is the pod. Quick disclaimer right now. There is uh, game seven of the World Series going on right now. And in full disclosure, we are both background streaming it. So this podcast may feature various whoops and boos and yells, but we'll try to stick to Nick's as best as possible. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the week that just passed. What have you? What are your uh, What are your thoughts in the last couple of games we had? Well, the Grizzlies game was fun. I think everyone had a good time watching that i think you grizzlies game was fun and i i I don't know i thought i remember predicting winning that game if i remember correctly you did you did and and i went pistons and that was a brutal game so um, so what happened well the grizzlies game was fun because we got to see a lot of um things that were talked about in terms of what the knicks were going to be if they were going to be a good team this year what they were going to be successful at and we saw a lot mm-hmm. of that on display with the Grizzlies. There was a lot of containing on perimeter defense. We saw a lot of nice things out of Courtney Lee and Joe Kim Noah defensively. Uh, Rose looked okay for a while. I, kind of the same way he started out this Rockets game tonight. He started out hot. He looked really good. And then he kind of tapered out towards uh, the rest of the game. But um, yeah. the, the Grizzlies game was just kind of a solid all-around performance. There was a lot of good ball movement. I think uh, Noah had seven assists. So it was it was fun all around. We got to see a lot of the the things that we thought we'd see if this team was going to be like a, an actual real good team. Yeah, I agree with that. It was a fun game. It was, uh, you know, I think we've been so caught up on winning and losing uh, as we were forecasting the season, preseason going into it. There's just no one knows what to make of this team yet. So whenever we could see a team actually like having fun and, you know, the Grizzlies are such a work in progress team now trying to figure out a new identity for themselves that, Thought it, I thought it would be a good opportunity to come in and win it. Um, I thought they looked all right out there, and yeah, it looked like fun basketball. And yeah, regardless of whatever has to be uh, in question for this season, we at least have that to fall back on. There's at least going to be some games that will look fun. Yeah, I mean, if this t- this is kind of what I've been saying all along. After the Grizzlies game, we kind of saw it. If if Rose and Noah are even just like seventy five percent of what they're supposed to be this team could be successful if they're just playing within their means, playing within their games. And you know, when they do attack or when they do something that they used to be elite at, if they're just pretty good or very good, we could be very successful. But on the downside of that, there was a game like tonight when yes. we saw Rose's defense, uh, defensive deficiencies as well as his inefficiencies on offense kind of on display. Now he started off the night four for four. Okay, he got to the rack whenever he wanted to. Couple nice layups, eight quick, easy points in the paint, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is the row again." This is Derrick Rose. Game off hot, yeah, yeah. And then uh, what happened after that was four of fourteen shooting and just totally lost on defense, just abysmal. And it was very, very much lost on defense. He looked lost on offense a couple of times too. You know, he he's a guy that he creates for himself, and he's good at you know he looked good getting to the rim. He looked like, you know, that's his shot. He looked good, you know, getting to the basket. He looked good doing ISO Derrick Rose things for a period of time, at least before he slowed up a bit. But, oh, David Ross with a home run. Yeah. Anyway. It's Grandpa Ross. Uh, Grandpa Ross coming back. Anyway, yeah. Derrick Rose, he looked good getting to the rim um, before he really hit a, a little bit of a rough stretch and everything. But whenever he was looking for the pass or when he was trying to get set in offensive plays with people, I, I just, you know, there was one, and this is a late game example too, but there was one point with, um, he was running it with Ron, Ron Baker had just come into the court. And Baker threw that uh, really nice assist. One of the few plays I saw with some nice uh, ball movement to Mello, who was open for the three. Um, you know, pretty good play all around, but the problem was that Rhodes was standing right in between Baker and Mello, looking kind of with nowhere to go. He almost put his arms up for a second, looking like the pass is coming for him. And in situations like that, I mean, you know, when, you know, go ISO for a little bit, hit your shots. That's great and everything contribute, but you got to get into the play after a while. No, absolutely. And the troubling thing for me was the first couple of games, 
we discussed it in in length that Derrick Rose is notoriously bad at kicking the ball out or even swinging the ball. And it became troubling, I think, in the Cleveland game, and we kind of wrote it off, was that he missed Chris Stapps so many times for so many. It was like blatantly wide open to to ignore him. It was blatant. Mm -hmm. And um, not so much the Grizzlies game because Chris Stapps had a pretty good game. There were obviously some times when he was missed. But then again on display tonight, Chris Stapps, I mean, now, mind you, Chris Stapps had a terrible game. I don't know that yes. I've ever seen him play this poorly on both sides of the balls. He, I mean, he had he's three entitled, blocks, He's entitled but, to his struggles, but yeah, he did. Of, of course, he's, game tonight. Yeah. you can have a bad game, but he just looked. Now, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the difference was between last year and this year, but he's just a step slow. He's rotating late, but um, pick and roll, he was abysmal tonight, but... Uh, again tonight he he kind of was froze out again I think Rose just missed him I, I mean I counted I think four instances in the first half and uh, that's not acceptable going forward well I think it's the the whole you know it's not just Chris stops but it's the whole the whole lineup is just trying to find their their spacing and trying to find their consistency their chemistry with each other I mean you no one knows who's supposed to do what yet Courtney Lee was balling out for a while tonight. He's, you know, putting in everything he shot, but how many shot attempts did he have? That's not really his job in the lineup. Noah was nowhere to be found on anything. I mean, I was looking at him under the rim a couple times. Ryan Anderson's the best rebounder out there tonight. That can't be happening with a Knicks team that has Chris Sopsporzingis and Carmelo Anthony and Joakim Noah on it. You know, I, I was seeing them getting out-rebounded. The amount of offensive rebounds that the Rockets had tonight was crazy. Was, I heard Clyde disgusting. saying, like, it was like 10 or 11 in the third at one point. And not to mention that the Rockets' offense had 100 points by the third quarter. Yeah, it, it was disgusting. I mean, tonight we, we got beat like a redheaded ch- uh, stepchild. It was rough. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. Uh, everywhere, everywhere. Defensively, it was bad. We couldn't stop a nosebleed. On the boards, we just got beat up. I mean, the, the, whole, thing, the whole thing made me sick. It, it was a bad game. It was a really it bad game. It was a game. bad game. It was a bad game. There was just... But, you know, even in, in bad games, you try to look for the areas of, you know, that you can carry to the next one. And the thing is, like, the things that were going well is Courtney Lee is not going to have another great scoring night, you know, back-to-back games. Um, and that's not his job. That's not why he was brought here. You know, n- no one needs to get himself better as a rebounder. He wasn't really putting much effort into there. He got taken out of the game early because he's kind of getting up there in age. Uh, you know, Melo's doing Melo things still. He was... You know, not exactly cooking tonight, but he was doing his thing. He's the was the only real steady part of the offense that I could find. Yeah, no, he steadied himself out um, kind of after that first half because it, it got rough. I think he finished the first half four of eleven shooting, and he was really just forcing a lot of things after the first quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. much of the the team was because that's kind of how this went. We were trying to run with them, and initially it was okay. Rose got his buckets, Melo's got his buckets, but then after that. You know, he kind of tapered off as well. He picked it back up, and that's why he kind of finished with a respectable line. Um, you know, he got to the line a little bit more as well, which helped. Uh, but, yeah, he had he had a good game, and I agree about Courtney Lee because that's that's a, been a big, like, X-factor thing. He's always been that glue guy who kind of steps up when, you know, that's what glue guys do. They step up, they see whatever you need game to game. Right. And he was very consistent tonight and the last couple of games when the Knicks weren't. Everyone was trying to ISO tonight, and he really seemed to actually fit into the flow of whatever semblance of a horseshit offense we were running tonight. Yeah, but he—that's the whole thing, you know. That's where his consistency is going to come into play. Yeah, you know, he can't be the first, second, or even third option on our you know starting lineup or starting five offense. Noah's basically at times a better. Uh, option on offense and Lee is that's you know circumstantial obviously but uh but it, the point I'm making is it's not sustainable you know I, I'm not even gonna you know count on him for a couple of threes a game whatever he does needs to be the um the excess the things that are gonna make this team a little bit better than the other teams the things that kind of push you into bigger leads it needs to kind of be the cherry on top but when other guys aren't cooking and just the whole thing is stagnant in the mess they just look slow no one looked like they knew what they were doing. I mean, I'm just talking offense, too. If you look at defense now, um, the amount of times they were getting beat to the rim, the amount of overcommittal on trying to get to the rim, too, and just at the end, the amount of the lack of heart that was even putting into the defensive end was just really, really appalling. There, there was just, yeah, there was, there was no effort. There was no 
there was no anything to to really talk about uh, tonight in terms of even good things. That they, I mean, to take away from this, kind of what I got was uh, Courtney Lee. Um, I like Derrick Rose getting to the rim initially. Um, Mello wasn't bad. Lance Thomas was underwhelming again. I like Justin Holiday again. I, I like I Justin Holiday too. He's got guy just his shot, man. It's it's just got it. He's got to figure that out because I'm I'm seeing him with some really good looking jump shots sometimes. I'm seeing him uh, with some really poor looking jump shots sometimes where he's just coming from his chest and it's just ugly. Um, somebody had a had a tweet tonight. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they were saying. I know, trying to talk uh, about. Yeah, Justin Holiday's shot looks like it should go in. Yeah, and it, it Justin Holiday looks like the kind of player who should be able to, you know, give you some spacing, let you hit the threes every now and then, or you know, get. He was actually looking pretty good getting to the rim, and that's really the problem with them too is that kind of consistency. That's the biggest problem with this whole team. This consistency is not there, and it's not even being found on the schemes that they're drawing up. No one's really trying to get into place yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's most of it. I mean. This is that was the, Jared Dubin, by the way. Yeah, uh, give him credit to that tweet, yeah. Jared Dubin. It's just this is that odd part of the beginning of the year when you're not when you're not exactly sure if guys just kind of suck or if this is just you know rust or if this is new team plus new coach plus you know all that garbage. Or if so it's just another year. Or if it's just if another it's just another year of you know Nick or every night you have a chance of being subjected to a twenty point blowout. Yeah, I mean, the other thing we have to remember, too, which is we probably were going to lose this game regardless because the Rockets have kind of been rolling lately offensively. Yes. But for James Harden to go off for 30 and 15 assists, 15, we, yeah. we didn't have to lose that way. That's, that's something that you got to cut off. I mean... We could have lost this game. It's fine. This is a good team. This is a Western Conference playoff team. I have the penciled in. I think top five. But um, to, yeah, to lose to lose like that, and then he just gets smoked back. I mean, the worst part was it didn't even look difficult for James Harden tonight. Like none of that nah. stuff. None of those baskets or even the passes seemed like they were like difficult things where he had to figure the defense out. It was just a cakewalk. Yeah, and I mean for Harden, it's been like that for a little bit now. I mean the guy is the guy is James Harden. There's no denying his talent at this point. Um, but, I mean, other than that, the big question that I'm asking myself is because obviously this game is a little personal. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know who that guy's pretending to be on the Rockets bench right now, but mustache or no mustache, that's Mike D'Antoni running the schemes down there. You leave the goddamn Pringle Man alone. That guy, <laughs> that guy is a good coach. I, I liked so, him when he was here. I, I think he got a bad rap because all, I agree. all the things that he wanted to do – for this team, when we won 54 games the next year, that's what we did. Move Melo to the four, play up tempo, shoot lots of threes. That's all the shit he was talking about getting Melo to buy in, and he never did it. And then they ran so my him question, out of town. My question is then, what what's the difference here? What does D'Antoni have, other than James Harden, which is something saying something wrong, but what does D'Antoni have in Houston now that he didn't have in New York that he couldn't make it successful back then? I think, he played. He ran a lot of different players in New York. Yeah, I think, but I think the issue was there was no willingness to buy in. I mean, Melo didn't want to buy in, whereas Harden is sort of tailored for this sort of point guard on steroids role that D'Antoni wants him to play, but he also just kind of wants to play this way. Look, James Harden, his first team all buckets. Everybody knows that I'm a big uh, fan of all buckets teams. and I know you're a big fan of the all buckets Big fan of all buckets. And James Harden loves getting buckets. So now you mix James Harden with the all buckets coach of the year, of most years that he's coached. Very true. And it's sort of tailored to be a success. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's just you have your superstar who's – this is Pete Harden now. These are the Harden's best years. Last year, this year, next year. This, this is the best window we're going to have Harden in. He's been just monumental. It's it's a he's tremendous. What he can do. He's tremendous, and you put him in this kind of a system, and he's going to flourish. And more than just scoring, he's passing. Because if you saw tonight, every time he got towards the bucket, if first of all, if he didn't have an easy layup or a dunk, if we actually stepped up, mm-hmm. he was just like, all right, I'm just going to pass the ball this way. It's going to be an easy three. Even if they didn't make it, they had the shot. They shot forty threes tonight. Forty. 
Forty threes. I'm. I mean, I'm still. You know, I see the threes and everything that he has. But what what really amazed me is just like Harden seems like he can find chemistry with any teammate out there. I mean, I'm seeing him. The amount of passes I saw between him and like Montrez Harrell tonight was like, it was it was insane. I was seeing him uh, open under the basket just a million times. I mean, that stands. That's a big testament to the Knicks really not knowing their places on defense at all. And early on, and, Clint Capella too. And Clint Capella, too. Uh, things went well for the Rockets. I mean, they had a couple of little things that I think kind of went their way. But just the lack of effort on the Knicks' part and, and the lack of protecting the rim. I, I mean, there has to be there has to be some kind of rim protection on this team other than Chris Sops. And he's not even, that's not even his role. He's still growing into that, you know? Yeah, and like I said, he hasn't even looked good at that this season so yeah. far. It's been four games. It's still early. And again, you're playing with, whole new team so let's not get too carried away but i mean this yeah this was a tough one hey maybe it's the shoes maybe it's, maybe the, shoes. it's the shoes should have stayed with the kobe's <laughs> all right so let's 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 break it down a little bit then because if we're if we're talking things really aren't working right now and I, i'm seeing chemistry issues all over the place i'm seeing something that's really not working so far do we? What are the ideas that we can we can move some players around in this lineup? Well, who, who can we kind of give some playing time to? Initially, I thought, and, and I talked about this a little bit in the the piece I put out, was I thought we just got to go small a little bit because when we get beat, we get beat typically because these guys are quicker, you know, and and a lineup that has Noah and Mello sort of on the blocks are a little bit slower to rotate. So mm-hmm. I was talking about just going quicker and the lineups that I've been proposing and talking about leading up to the season and early on so far, we actually saw that a little bit tonight. Now, didn't last long because the Rockets beat the brakes off of us right after that. But Well, which guys are you talking about? You're saying... Derek Rose yeah. and or Brandon Jennings, whichever one. And okay. then, uh, again, insert one of Courtney Lee or Justin Holiday. But this particular lineup was... Uh, it was Rose, it was Lee, it was Lance Thomas, Mello okay. at the four, and KP at the five. And okay. what that does for you is KP can actually play a little bit better defensively at the five, because at the four, what it looks like to me is he gets stuck roaming a little bit. And when he's at the four, he's already stretched out more than he needs to be at the five. He's closer to the rim. So if he plays out a little bit, he's not going to get more than like eight feet off of the rim. But you also get from this, you get two better perimeter defenders that we have on this team. And, I mean, they are, I'm not going to go on and say these are elite defenders of the league, but Lance Thomas and Courtney Lee are certainly the top two perimeter defenders on this team. And, and they are in the, I would say, upper echelon, like maybe the upper third, upper quarter of perimeter defenders in the league. Yeah, and totally. They definitely fill their role well. They're serviceable. Exactly. And, and that basically allows you to play quicker and, and stick with these guys on defense. And, you know, let's KP play with his length a little bit more than having to move his legs, which he's having a little bit trouble trying to rotate down to the baseline. Because you saw with Ryan Anderson today, he was getting beat to the three-point line initially. And yeah. then when he starts rushing out to the three-point line, same thing we saw with Kevin Love, goes right by Open him. underneath, right. So if you let him play at the five a little bit, you don't kind of leave him out there to, to just kind of die, you know? So that's – we saw that lineup for a little bit. I think it was – four or five minutes and we kind of weathered the storm that's when like we were still down like eight to ten and we kind of hung around like it ballooned to like 16 and they kind of fought back with that lineup they got it back to single digits quickly and then uh, after that it just got out of control i agree with that the the difference i'm gonna say is that as great as the strength and number perimeter defense kind of ideal is to me I just I don't feel that having both of those two on the court at the same time for defense is really going to be serviceable, especially with the offense such a mess right now. And a big thing that I'm hearing out lately is um, giving a little bit less minutes to Thomas or using him in a slightly different role and throwing a little bit more of a bone to Kuzminskis uh, for his shooting touch and uh, what he can bring to the court offensively. Um, and then maybe you alternate, um, you know, Kuzminskis and uh, and Ron Baker in there, and you alternate Courtney Lee and um, Lance Thomas to give you some stability to this position. But this way, you still have someone that you know can be a good shooting threat out there. When KP shows the struggles, when Melo shows the struggles, when they're caught up doing something else, 
just so you can have that other option that you know is going to be able to hit that shot. You know, I'm not saying we have Steve Novak on the roster here, um, as great as those years really were. But uh, but just the, the lack of consistent shooting that I'm seeing uh, from this team right now really leads me to believe that there needs to be a dedicated shooter out there on the court with them at all times. I don't disagree with going small, but I think that getting some decent shooting and some energy out there is big too. But uh, Baker came in tonight and he immediately brought some energy into the team when he got checked in with the third quarter. Went on a little run. Everyone looked pretty good for a good three, four, five minutes out there. And that kind of energy is really lacking with some of the guys who's been there for a little bit. No, I, I definitely... I definitely agree there. I mean, I don't want to get, I, I like Baker now. I don't want to get too carried away on, on uh, what he did tonight, just because at that point the game was well in hand. The Rockets didn't really seem to be paying too much attention to, to really anything. Sure, but but he, he just brought some life back in. You he, know? he did. Just... And I like what I see. And I think the more minutes we get him, even if they're in garbage minutes and, and these were, this was like extended garbage minutes. Cause he came in, I think with like seven or eight minutes left in the fourth. Yeah, so, uh, he was even in the thing in the third at some point. So. so I think it's important because, again, we need guard play more than we need that front court play right now. If you're going to pay Noah this money and Chris Stapps is the future, these guys are going to get a bulk of the minutes, and it's going to be hard for these other rookie front court players to break through. But perimeter play, we're going to have a need for that all year just like we did last year, despite yeah. the fact that whoever believes in Derrick Rose, you know, we, we still need better perimeter defending in play so i, I and like perimeter shooting too yeah yeah but to your point on uh coups versus lance i think i think the hang up so far is that lance shot 40 percent from three last year and i think they're still waiting to see that take place again this year i think yeah i think they think that and rightfully so i mean it's still early but it's sort of playing that, you know, towing that line of when is it time to start making a change? When When is too many games for Lance Thomas to not be hitting threes or not be hitting his shots to kind of give up on it? And that's sort of something we got to pay attention to because I agree, Kuz can score. Kuz can shoot. Right. So his defensive prowess, I guess, is kind of a question mark. But um, I guess, like you're saying, it, there is a trade-off. At some point, you do need to have some shooting too. And if you have Courtney Lee in there, Hopefully that can sort of alleviate some of that pressure on the perimeter. Right, balance it out a little bit. And maybe, uh, you know, force everyone else to step their game up a little bit. If they know that, you know, they have to sacrifice some shooting out there, maybe they can at least step out on defense. That might be wishful thinking to a degree, but I'm kind of going to hope so at least. But, yeah, it's, I I, I don't know. It's just kind of a... It's kind of frustrating. We'll see what the... uh, We'll see what Hornacek decides to go with the next couple of days. Um... But yeah, it's and you know the the players that we're talking about too. We're talking about Derrick Rose for one, and Brandon Jennings for another. Two guys who really have shown not to be three point shooters over their career. Uh, kind of play similar roles, but a lot of question marks, a lot of unsustainability between the two of them. And when you talk about Lance Thomas too, and his forty percent from three last year, you got to remember how few games he really ended up playing in the long run, and also. Um, how sustainable we really think that 40% is, you know, it has not, he hasn't been a good career three point shooter. Um, and you know, he could have had his peak and be coming back down a little bit. He's not saying he has to fall on his face, but you know, he might not have another 40% year. It might not have been all that sustainable of a shooting percentage to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. Well, no, I was going to say, I absolutely, because, um, the lottery year for the Knicks when he played basically, I mean, he kind of was the guy after Melo went down. He, um, he averaged, I think it was 33% was what he shot. And before mm-hmm. that, I don't think he took, uh, I mean, his field goal percentage from, from three was non-existent for the three years. He was with the Pelicans, right. um, with OKC, it was non-existent. There was pretty much just that year with the Knicks. There was two years with the Knicks that he's been shooting threes. So, it's it's tough, I guess. The only reason I, I, I think that maybe it wasn't a fluke, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because he went from averaging no threes, and then that year with uh, the 33%, he took half a three a game. Okay, so it, was, yeah. it wasn't much. But then last year, he took almost two threes a game. So he's been upping the value, which I think bodes well. But okay. 
I, I think I think that's sort of the trend we're looking for is he's improving his accuracy with the value. So I, yeah. I, he's certainly earned himself some time. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't shoot well at all in the preseason either, and we chalked it up to just being the preseason. But now he's not shooting well in the regular season, so now we got to really keep an eye on it. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in agreement. Look, I know that um, Lance Thomas has put the work in to really improve his three, amongst many other parts of his game. I, I think he's one of the hardest workers on this team, and I'm totally all for Lance Thomas. I'm team Lance Thomas. But my thinking is that he is – I just – I'm not going to put Lance Thomas on long enough on that long of a leash. You know, if, if there's something that really needs to get worked out, then I think that Lance Thomas needs to kind of be willing to take the hit and see what comes next, see what they can do. Yeah. Um, so two other guys on the team to take a look at is, uh, well, I guess really we can look at the whole defense as a whole, but kind of zeroing in on the Courtney Lee, Joakim Noah tandem. That was supposed to be the defensive core of this year's team. Um, and, you know, potentially even the core of a couple of teams to come after this year, depending on how things go. How are things going so far, though, I guess is really the question. Um, you know, we see Courtney Lee cook on offense a little bit. We've seen some inconsistencies from Noah. And I've seen a couple of times where the two of them have looked good on the floor together. I've played the high and the low game pretty well. But... Yeah, it, I I don't know. What are your thoughts? The way the way I feel about Joakim Noah and um, Courtney Lee as defenders are kind of, not opposites, but I feel, and I haven't really looked at the numbers for this. This is mostly eye test stuff, at least for this opinion. I feel Courtney Lee's a better individual defender than a team defender, and I think Joakim Noah at this point is a better team defender than an individual defender. For example, tonight we were getting mm-hmm. cooked on pick and rolls and we were getting cooked in the interior defense. He wasn't stepping up, you know, and I, I think uh, Capella kind of had his what Capella, um, Harold, Anderson. I mean, Anderson should never get to the basket and he was getting to the basket a couple of times. But, yeah, that thing was wide open. Yeah, so so that that's all stuff that our $72 million center can't really be allowing, you know, but... um for example, there's that one clip from the the Grizzlies game, which kind of epitomizes what they should be doing always because we struggle with guard play. Basically, Courtney Lee was guarding Mike Conley. Courtney Lee should always guard the best perimeter defender, uh, player, ball handler, whatever you know, whatever it is. Without that, yeah. And that's what he did tonight. He started off on Harden, but you know, it's James Harden did not go according to plan. So, um, but in this this Memphis game, basically. They're trying to run a, a pick-and-roll, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. That's a two-man game that's been working for years. And they go towards the weak side of the basket, and Courtney Lee comes through the pick, hangs with them. Joe Kimonoa steps up, being the good team defender that he is. Yep. Now, Conley keeps trying to come around Noah, which there's not much of an angle. Now, who rotates behind Noah? Carmelo Anthony. So now, that's like the whole that, – that's breeding confidence in your team defense. That's kind of what you want right. to see. And we're going to have trouble like on nights like tonight when there's no rotations because you're going from seeing what, what could be, what you want it to be. And when your two lead guys aren't really nullifying the other perimeter threats, you're going to get killed. And that's kind of what happened tonight. We ran into a buzzsaw. Well, that's, that's kind of, yeah, I know the exact clip you're talking about, that, that play really epitomized what they should be doing out there. Um, and really what they should be teaching to the rest of this team and what should be be it should be what's going on gone over in practice i the whole thing is those two seem to work pretty well together when they're on the floor together they kind of seem to know that they have each other's back and that they're the backbone of this whole operation the problem is i'm not counting lee more so but i'm not really counting on joe kim noah to be out there um for more than 60 something games this year and that's like if he's looking good you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Joakim Noah ends up playing 55 games this year. And for how many minutes a game is a bigger question. So him being, when he's not on the floor and when they don't have that confidence with each other, the whole thing seems to kind of fall apart. He wasn't really out there much, you know, in the game tonight from what I was seeing. And everyone looked lost. And then Cornelia had to take on a bigger role in offense, which meant he had to cheat a little bit on defense. And the whole thing kind of falls apart. So... 
I, I just I need to see some kind of preparation to know that when those two aren't on the floor together, there can be some kind of defensive scheme still being played. Because tonight it looked like there was just no rotation, and it's, it's a big problem. What I'm most disappointed in is the fact that I don't want to get too carried away with like maybe this team being a trash defensive team yet because Joakim Noah was still on sort of that unspoken minutes restriction. Again, yeah. he only played 18 tonight. I think he played less than 20 last night as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, the night before that, I think, was 19. So he's playing roughly 20 minutes a night every night so far. He's playing less than half of a game. So I don't want to. And get... that's that's just so. But I mean, I I gotta know when that's gonna come up because that's just for the defensive anchor of this team. That's just so. That's too unacceptable. I, I would, for me, in my opinion, I would say probably it's that first ten to fifteen games. You're gonna start seeing him creep up a little bit higher towards thirty, and then after that, they'll probably lift it. It this is that's just a gut feeling, obviously. But um, it that's why it's tough to gauge what this team really is defensively and, and even offensively a little bit because that's sort of your anchor guy and you know as much as we talk about the triangle offense if you do have a guy a, a really skilled passing big like Joe Keen that scheme can be successful because it's a read and react offense it doesn't work if all you're doing is reading and you're slow to react which is what we've done yeah. in the past Noah sees things and reacts quickly with the pass and that's what you want but um Basically, on the defensive side, like I was uh, saying, I was de- I'm disappointed in the fact that we always clamor for KP starting at the five, playing at the mm-hmm. five. That's his dream spot. And he's sort of had that opportunity now because when Noah's not in the game, he's generally playing the five. You'll see um, O'Quinn spell him a little bit, but he's getting his opportunities to be at the five and for the position that we pegged him to be the most successful at, he's not really doing anything to claim that and tonight was a really big example we needed to go small to match with Houston and that was our only shot at winning this game and we got now granted he didn't get the ball much but even defensively he was just non-existent and that's not what we want to see yeah Noah just didn't he just didn't look right out there to me uh tonight by any means um yeah I mean I I just I thought he was supposed to be healthy yeah, I thought coming into this this year, into this contract, I thought, it was, I thought he was doing pull-ups on uh, Phil Jackson's arm, you know? Uh, and uh, look, I get that he's a step slow. I get that this whole team's a step slow. Yeah, I, I'm one that's very much of the opinion that this thing's at least going to take 30 games to figure out. And we're kind of seeing that tonight. Tonight's a good example of guys still need to kind of figure out where their place is going to be on this team. Yeah, and they need to figure out who's going to step up, and I guess who's going to be comfortable with how much of a high turnover rate the team really had. Well, that's but a- I'm allowed to be frustrated for these 30 games, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the other thing too is, you know, it's for them to really mesh. I guess after those 30 games, that's fine. But they got to be able to at least hang in this season a little bit before we hit that mark. Because if we get to 30 games and we're 10 and 20, that's already it. That's a, yeah. that's a hard hole to climb out of. They got to really hover 500 to to have any shot at uh, making a playoff, or so even making a run at anything, at anything whatsoever. So uh, we haven't seen shit so far. I think we're what, one and three now. Uh, yeah. Last night, last night wasn't bad. I it started out bad, but then in the fourth quarter, it's annoying because it's like we can't have both nice things at once. You know, uh, the Memphis game, we have good offense, and then we we start up, and not so bad defense. But then in the Detroit game, we get kind of shit defense the whole time. And then once we start to play lockdown defense, because Detroit only shot 27% in the fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. we shot 23% in the fourth quarter. So that's abysmal. Yeah, still still one of those, I guess, you know, still figuring out things, I guess. But, yeah, it's hopefully they can figure out how to put it together at some point. But it, it's it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be frustrating. No. Um, you wrote a little bit about the uh, some of these defensive woes, right? Yes. Yes, I did. And um, basically, we know that this, so far, I mean, at the time, this was before the Rockets game, but... Um, we know that this is a very small, you know, perhaps microscopic sample size. This is a very tiny sample size, and that's okay. But um, it wasn't really good for pretty much everybody not named Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah is our only positive-rated 
net rated player so far. Um, basically, I'll give you the small rundown here. I have the numbers in front of me. Uh, okay, so Courtney Lee ranks 50th, or before this Houston game, ranked 50th in D rating. And he had a net rating of negative 9.1. Okay, mm-hmm. now Rose ranked 72nd with a D rating of like 108, which is just wild. And then his net Not rating. Surprising, but... Yeah, I mean, we, this is probably the only one that I'd, I'd probably think maintains throughout the year because the net rating is only negative 4.1. I think that's sort of what we're going to see is like he scores enough, even if it's inefficient, to sort of offset his net rating. That's how these things can be a little iffy to measure sometimes. But yeah, but his scoring is not going to it's not going to make it's still going to be that negative. Right. Right. But I'm saying like this net rating, this is where it's going to probably hang around. Yeah. A little bit. I, I think he's he's a little bit more. Uh, he's a little bit of a worse defender than this rating system gives him. But anyway, um and, I, you know, as a little joke, I put this place is there below players such as Ty Lawson and J.R. Smith, who we mm-hmm. reamed for being a bad defender in New York. So mm-hmm. that's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's fun. Right. I was hands up. I was right there with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And now now for the forwards. In my pre-podcast days. Yeah. Now the forwards. Lance Thomas was at 30th of the forwards, which is okay. It's respectable. And I did this with, um, I had to skew the minutes a little bit so that, this was for guys playing, I think it was more than 25 minutes a night, because if not, you get sort of, you get everybody in. Uh, All right. Yeah, so so Lance ranked 30th out of that. Carmelo ranked 72nd. Now, Lance was a net of, like, negative 14.1. Melo was a negative net of uh, 2.5. Chris Stapps was a negative net of 8.5, and his D rating was a, 111.3, which... It's like one part the Cavs game, one part I, yeah. I don't even know because Jesus Christ. And then yeah. Noah came in at 22nd, D rating of 102.8, and a positive, if you can believe it, net rating of net, uh, 9.3. Hey. And there we go. We're on the board. Hey. Now, in comparison, Robin Lopez, who we traded away, ranks 8th with a D rating of 95.3 and a net rating of 17.5. Damn. Damn that, is that, exactly phew. exactly. That the gets right. me right there. Yep. Because Robert Lopez is good. He's solid. He's a good individual defender and he's a good team defender. He's just solid. Right. And, and we knew this when we got rid of him. Right. So basically the whole point of this was basically let's let's look at the shit that we have so far. And of that, sort of some of it's obvious, some of it's not. We, you know, the defense hasn't been great. Noah, we know, is a capable defender when he's out there, and you could see by his net rating that his impact has been felt. And I just kind of wanted to dive into these very, very much so, much too early numbers to basically explain what's happening and what I'd like to see. And sort of what I wanted to see was what we ended up seeing for a little bit tonight. I propose that we see the the Rose, you know, Lee or Lance lineup, Mello, KP, or Noah. And right. uh, we did. It seems to be something that's going to be experimented with a little bit. We said, it, but I was happy that we saw it because KP is going to come out of this funk. I, I think Lance is going to start hitting some shots. And Melo and Rose kind of are just going to play like this the rest of the season. They're not really playing far off of what they played off of the last couple of years. So, yeah, I agree with that. Basically, if, K, if KP plays like normal KP and Lance hits like even 36, 37 percent of his shots, that's a good small lineup, and that should be sort of our second lineup to lean back on after the starters. You could start the starters. They actually have a pretty good rating thus far. It's nothing fantastic. But um, the problem is Noah only plays 19 minutes a game, so we don't really have the starters out there altogether mm. all that often. I think through three games, they played 40 minutes together, and that's not really a lot. That's for a your, big problem. Yeah, that's not that's not a lot for your, uh, your starting lineup, so... Uh, like I basically, it was just mostly to to look at these small numbers and just kind of lead into look. We have some small lineups that we can go towards that are probably going to work pretty well for us the rest of the year once Hornacek figure this out. Yeah, agree with that. Um, so just wanted to touch on some quick uh, some tweets that I found throughout the game. A uh, couple of couple of little interesting ones to voice kind of exactly how we're feeling right now. With uh, with what we saw tonight, I'm sorry, I'm a little bitter. I'm just frustrated. Um, but I saw one from Gavin Paul six. 
Um, Knicks players are going to tear their ACLs by constantly getting put on skates on defense. That's, that's, um, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. That's thanks, Gavin. That really what I needed right at that moment. I, yeah, I mean, it was if, if you watched, they were just overcommitting on every three point attempt. As soon as the ball swung out to the three point line, they were late to get there, so they sprinted, and then it was just rough. Yeah, they got blown by. It was, it was not good. Blown by. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't good. It was. It was slow. No one was at their spots. It, it just was not good. Um, taking a look from KGNYK, uh, the infamous KGNYK. Uh, we needed two more weeks of preseason, clearly. The one thing that no basketball fan really wants to see is more preseason, I think. But so far, pre I mean, other than the Grizzlies game, preseason seems to be the highlight of the season so far. Um, yeah, at least we got get to see uh, Chase on Randall pour one out. <laughs> yeah, well, we got like, what, a game and a half at Chase on Randall and then he's uh, gone, right? Yeah, well, he's he's balling with the Dubs right now, not the Warriors, the Westchester Knicks. Let's see, what what else do we get here? Uh, well, I mean, in in not Knicks related news, I called uh, Doug Gottlieb a, a fucking dweeb because I hate that guy. <laughs> I can't stand Doug Gottlieb. Um, I also said that. Maurice Endor has hands like feet and that I've hands seen like feet, hands like feet and that I've seen better hands on a steak. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, he's just got hands like cinder blocks. I mean, it is just brutal. Just, yeah. just brutal. And then, and then speaking Rose, of Endor, I, I went out, uh, went out for, um, Halloween over the weekend. I saw a guy in a nature boy jacket. Almost went up to him and asked him if he was being Maurice Endor for Halloween, but that's one of those things that alcohol would do to you, I guess. Uh, that's exactly what it would do to you. <laughs> All right, we got anything else? What else we got? Oh, I saw one that was really interesting. Um, tweeted out by Basketball Reference. Um, another a random stat. There were only a few teams who had really good runs of holding in the shot clock era of holding teams to under a hundred points for like a consecutive period of time. And our New York Knicks placed pretty high on that list. Second, in fact, not this year's squad. Of course, I'm talking about, I'm talking the uh, 2000 New York Knicks were able to hold uh, from January 11, 2000 to January 21st, 2001, uh, held a record of, uh, I don't know how, exactly how many games, but they held all their opponents under 100 points. And the 2016 New York Knicks held the Houston Rockets to 100 points in three quarters. So if that's any testament to how the last 16 years have gone, that's... It's right there. Yeah, we, we Thanks. held them. Thanks, right. we, we held them back from scoring 200 points tonight is what we did. <laughs> we did good. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. All right, what else we got going on here? Uh, we got a couple of games coming up. We got a big matchup on Friday uh, against the Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Bulls yep. A lot going on in Chicago right now. Uh, that's being played at the United Center. If it doesn't burn down tonight, um, in, it's, it's absolutely going to burn down tonight. I think there's going to be some kind of riots out out in Chicago. We'll see. Cubs are at the moment. Just a quick update. Even though I'm sure everybody's watching, Cubs are I think seven outs away now. I'm also sure that um, this podcast will be aired after this World Series is already long decided, and Chicago will be a pile of ash. So uh, um, would it be a jinx to say congratulations to the World Series champions of 2016 Chicago Cubs? Wow, that w- that's that is a jinx right there. Oh Jesus! I like the uh, word. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, we can like Cle- It's Cleveland's time to give up a three-one lead. Oh my! I cannot wait to get these three-one jokes out. <laughs> I am. Twitter is going to be great. But uh, uh, this Bulls yeah, game. after that. We got Knicks Bulls is gonna be good. We got um you know a lot a lot of emotions there. I don't think we really need to speak too much about that. But you know, Rose and Noah going back to where they started their careers and uh always a always a good rivalry game between Knicks and the Bulls. I always enjoy those. Yeah, but I think this one's gonna be particularly fun because no one has no one has any idea what the fuck is going on with either team. 
because we are yeah. still this weird identityless team. Like we have no one has any idea what the Knicks are. The Knicks don't know what the Knicks are, and the Bulls outside they're of kind tonight, of balling. They're kind of balling, and and with Dwayne Wade and Rajon Ronder, who who are known marksmen, they're just tearing oh, up the forget, league from the three-point line. Don't count Michael Carter-Williams out of here yet. <laughs> I'm about to get Michael Carter-Williams out of here. I'm, I'm always ready <laughs> to slander player, Michael right Carter-Williams. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, and of course, we get to see a little Rolo and uh, maybe some Jaron Grant even out there. We'll never see Jaron. I don't. It, for the life of me, I don't understand. How he gets he played tonight. I, or, he got some run tonight. I heard it was. Uh, he? I think he made his debut actually. Um, and then he we did. got Sunday. We got a matinee matchup against the Jazz, um, being played at the Garden. So little little basketball to go with your coffee should be a good game. We're blowout. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, and then a couple of things coming up over at the Knicks wall this week. We have. Um, Probably right around the same time we'll be um, airing this podcast. We have our man James coming out with a profile on Justin Holiday. Uh, probably touch on that jumper of his a little bit and see where he's come from. I got a lot of hope for the kid. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Holiday? I, I I like him. I mean, I haven't really seen enough in the regular season yet to make a real sort of decision here, but. I, I do like him. I, I think between him and Lee, that's sort of more depth at the shooting guard position than we've had since probably Amon Shumpert and J.R. Smith. Right? Yeah, I, I think I, so. There there was a I had so much hope when we had uh J.R. Smith and Shumper and Tim Hardaway in there trying to fight for minutes. Like well, that that was some s- decent shooting guard depth and it just went nowhere. It went it just to went, seventeen wins. Yeah, it just went nowhere and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like Justin Holiday. What, what troubles me, though, is that I worry that he's going to end up being too inconsistent because he's 27 years old and he hasn't been able to stick with the team yet. I think he had a pretty... Yeah, I shouldn't say the kid. Yeah, and I think he had a pretty okay year last year with the Bulls. I, I think that's when people sort of were turned on to the idea of him as a, as a decent player. But we've seen kind of the same thing that they saw from uh, him last year with the Bulls so far this season. Just steady kind of out there he's going to get you the same looks he he always seems to kind of shake free and and get himself some good opportunities but i'm sort of just interested the bulls game would be a good game actually because i, I want to see how he matches up with those guards because no matter yeah. what we do with the lineups to stagger them he's gonna at some point end up on one of rajon uh, rondo Dwayne wade or jimmy butler and i'm really interested to see how he does against wade and butler yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I got hope for him. You know, I shouldn't say the kid because he's yeah twenty seven years old at this point. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, we got a profile on Justin Holiday coming up on Thursday. Uh, we got previews and recaps coming up for the Bulls and Jazz games, and uh, my man Kyle is about to put out a recap for uh this endeavor that you just got put through in the Knicks Rockets game. Um, make sure you stay tuned every, uh, every game. We got recaps and previews coming up for you. Um, just want to throw a quick congratulations out there to our friend, uh, Chris Herring for, uh, moving on up, getting into the, uh, world of five thirty eight, uh, where we know he's going to be doing some, uh, some really good work. So Absolutely. congrats, Chris. We know you earned that. And, uh, keep your schedules open for Friday. Cause Chris has sent us an open invitation to all the Knicks fans in the area to go down and watch the Knicks-Bulls game. Um, so he, I think uh, if you want to go follow him on Twitter, he's probably going to announce where he's going to go to host that. So stay tuned on yeah, that front, too. Check that out. We don't want to blow him up too much on that. But, uh, yep, congrats, Chris. And uh, if you want to read a little bit more about Chris Herring, we did a uh, pretty cool off-the-wall interview with him uh, last month. So make sure you check that out on thenickswall.com. And as always, follow us on Twitter at the Knicks Wall, and uh, yeah, send in your questions. We're uh, we're here to answer them. Whatever your whatever your concerns may be, we'll uh, give you give you your shout out on air. You get your fifteen minutes of fame, and we get our content. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Oh, and before we go, before we go, I forgot this little uh, ditty here. Oh, I was hoping I didn't forget. Kyle O'Quinn only played four minutes tonight. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a uh, a segment here that we have uh, not quite introduced yet. This is the Kyle on Kyle Bashdown, uh, where our own Kyle Maggio gives you his hot take on Kyle O'Quinn. On to you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Kyle O'Quinn fucking sucks. All right. I am just. <laughs> I am. I am so sick. I said that we said this nicely on the last pod, but you know the the handcuffs are off here. Okay. Kyle O'Quinn looks like he should be a good basketball player and is never the said good basketball player ever ever i mean last night he didn't even score he played 10 minutes didn't even score i think he had a couple rebounds and blocks and then that was supposed to be like a revelation but i mean he's trash we get tonight we got four minutes we got four points one rebound and and somehow two blocks and he was still in those five minutes a negative five and plus minus so i just i am sick of kyle o'quinn and th- you know why I'm sick of Kyle O'Quinn? Why are you sick of Kyle O'Quinn? Two reasons. I, one is because as a fellow Kyle, it hurts. We don't have many opportunities <laughs> in the NBA. You don't. How many great Kyles have there been? Right now, all we have is Kyle O'Quinn, Kyle O'Quinn, Kyle Corver, and Kyle Singler. And only Ooh, Kyle one Singler. Kyle has been able to have sort of any sort of decency to his name. And Kyle O'Quinn was a young guy. We took him from Orlando. We thought, like, oh, here's a good contract. It was like $5 million for two years. I'm like, this looks promising. And he's been fucking trash. I'm just sick of it. Just please, just be be a respectable, decent basketball player. That's all I'm asking. Just play some regular defense. Get a board. I mean, stop hanging around by the three-point line. I don't even understand. He's tweeting at the fans. Someone said, don't shoot a three tonight. He, he's like, got you. What? No, no, don't, don't get us. Go get us some fucking rebounds and stop shooting threes. That's what I need you to get me. So, so that's what I'm tired of. Just please, just be a decent basketball player, man. I'm tired of Kyle O'Quinn. It's four Kyle fucking O'Quinn, minutes. though. I, I will say, Kyle O'Quinn. I'm, I'm. I'll play a little middle of the fence here. I am very much looking forward to you joining uh, Shaq, Eddie, Kenny, and Charles on uh, their their broadcast on TNT just as soon as uh, as soon as you're off the team. So keep it up, buddy. I think you got a lot of talent there. He's got a great beard for TV. A great you got beard. a great beard. You got a great. You got a great beard for TV. He's got a face for radio. Whatever he wants to do, he's, I got to give him that much. Second best beard in the league. Second best yeah, beard in the yeah, league. Yeah, it's a great none. beard. Good beard. All right. Anything else? You good? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take it easy.